Discussion protocol. Uh, it's been a while. How is everyone doing? Kwa, how are you? Good to be here. Great to hear you, Casey. And of course, we have a very special guest today. Mr. Uh, Anon himself, joining us for the first time, uh, part of the discussion protocol, proudly part of the Anon podcast network. <laughs> Glad to be here, boys. Um, well, how, how, how have you been? I've been where, good. I've been on a vacation, a much need break from all of the craziness. Uh, I've been in Ibiza for uh, the last sort of five days uh, out there for my, my friend's 40th birthday, which was uh, a lot of fun, I, I have to say. I'm I'm back. I'm I'm feeling fresh, but uh, those memories will, will stay with me for the rest of my life. That's for sure. So there was a little boat action there. Um... Yeah, that was great. We were on an, an old sailing boat, actually the the same uh, sailing boat that Hot since uh, '82 filmed his famous boiler room set on, and and that was a lot of fun. We were out on that for nearly nine hours in total. Freshly cooked paella. It was just fantastic all around. Great friends, great music, great times. How was uh, your first private jet experience? I feel very inspired all the, all, all now. The hyper. I need to fly like that all the time. Uh, obviously, not solo for <laughs> environmental reasons, but uh, in a in in a big group, it's uh, certainly a, a lot of fun. We had a, a DJ on board playing. We had oysters. We had champagne. We we really went all out on that, and uh, certainly a, a tick on my bucket list uh, that has now disappeared so uh fantastic and uh i look forward to trying to get on the next one maybe paid for by the group yeah. here crypto and shit the bed in the next few years maybe we'll be all think tw- 2024 I guess jet pooling. 2024 2024 we'll be jet pooling you know no solo flight honestly it was so good i i ticked the bucket list <laughs> and then disappeared again wiped it off ready to be on my bucket list again for the second time so uh yeah can't wait but uh fantastic way to start uh, slightly different to the return leg where I was sat on the second to last row in the middle of an EasyJet flight home. How is, is EasyJet like the spirit airlines of Europe? Uh, is that yeah, kind of. Um, so you have EasyJet and you have Ryanair. They're the two very cheap airlines. But uh, to be honest, it, it was more a question of um, the, the timing of the flight rather than anything else. And, you know, flights to Ibiza, uh, to, London, from Ibiza to London, very, very busy this time of year. So was a little bit limited for choice. But uh, yeah, really, uh, really good trip all round. And I must admit, I was a little bit tired at the end. So I ended up sleeping the whole flight home anyway. So it made no difference. You know, nothing to humble you after a private jet like a EasyJet flight back. Exactly. Love to go to Europe. I've never been. You've never Especially been to Europe? Especially with the Euro, the Euro down so much. Like where, so next summer, what spots would you go to if it was your first time? I love Europe. Hard to pick a favourite place. Uh, Lisbon for food, I would say. Uh, Portugal is just beautiful in general. Um, Love the Balearic Islands. Absolutely stunning, of course. Ibiza is a great place to party. For music, I would say Berlin, one of my favourite places to go. If you like techno, that is the spot. But really, Europe is just such a wide variety of different locations with different experiences that it really depends what you're after. But if I had to pick three places, as I said, I think it would be Lisbon, Berlin, and Ibiza. Although there's plenty of others that I've missed off for sure. 
Casey, what, what are some of your favourite spots in Europe? I know you've been to a few. I, I just mentioned sort of Lisbon and and uh, the, the the islands around the, the Med, but what do you like? I mean, I like Lisbon. I was just there um, like two months ago. I, I really enjoyed it. Great, great. You get a good bang for your buck there on food and entertainment and stuff. Um, really liked Italy. Like, not really Rome. Rome is, Rome, I, I, I'm, I'm good never going there again. It's fine. Uh, I did enjoy Florence. I heard it's nothing special. I heard yeah, after you see the Coliseum, you just fine. want to leave. Uh, food was also nothing, nothing to <laughs> write home about. It's, I, you can get better pasta, I feel like, in New York. Yeah, I must admit, uh, if you're going to Italy, Italy it's uh, it's always Florence for me. Yeah, Florence and then, you know, Amalfi Coast is awesome. Really enjoyed that. Uh, good beach time there. Good restaurants. And a little further afield, if you go out to, to Croatia, fantastic. And uh, a little less touristy there as well. I guess let's, let's, let's get into land. business. Uh, what has been going on everywhere? Uh, we'll talk macro. We'll talk uh, Jackson Hole. We'll talk ETH and crypto. Uh, where do you guys want to start? Yeah. Um, all right. I have a, a lot uh, of notes I've taken over the uh, past couple of weeks. Um, in the chat, I've been uh, promoting, uh, my big short thesis. So I think, it, I think it's un- important to understand where we're coming from these past couple months. Uh, I, I personally like to look at the market in terms of quarters. To me, it's much easier to predict a trend over three months rather than a ticker where a ticker is going to be in 120 seconds, contrary to what all the discords and everyone likes to do with their technical analysis and their 120 X levered perps. But that's just me. Um, now we've clearly left this period of global easing and easy monetary policy. And we're now deep into uh, global tightening and inflationary environment. So what that means now is that there were less opportunities, uh, booming commodities market and strong dollar. And if the past 10 years were record low interest rates and balance sheet expansion benefited beta strategies. You could throw money anywhere. As long as you can buy the top, you would make some money. Um, monetary tightening will require more active, selective investing in alpha to deliver uh, performance. Um, so it, it's important to understand where we've been. In July, we had this crazy uh, uh, bear market rally uh, s- since uh, what Powell stimulated um, it, it appeared that he was taking his foot off the accelerator a bit and that drove risk assets up and it, you saw ETH peak at 2000, you saw Bitcoin peak at 25,000. Um, we had a friendly CPI print to go along with that, which didn't help either. But throughout July, you saw, you saw like Bullard, everyone was very hawkish from uh, each Fed and if, if you listen to them, they were saying that infl- inflation is still a problem. Um, this rally is not helping whatsoever. Your see Fed funds rate go between 3.5 to 4% eventually. I would take the over like 4.5%. So Powell had to come in hot in his uh, Jackson Hole meeting, which is one of the most short, it had to be one of the sh- most shortest speeches um, of Jackson Hole, yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack from that as well. So, like, one of the first sentences he said was, "My remarks will be shorter, my focus narrower, and my message more direct." Instantly from there, you saw ETH go down five percent. You dread candle finish the day off 
negative 10%. Um, that completely, it completely deleted the Fed pivot narrative um, that people were preaching in July. Um, we also saw a meme stock frenzy in July just to add to the madness. So, so if, if there was any time you were going to short, it, it would be July or even now, I think Ethereum is at a, a higher level than yeah, um, I, it I, should I, I be. Yeah, I totally agree with the ETH bubble right now. It's a little irrational why it's even printing or having little runs right now. Other than the ETH merge, which I think is priced in already at this point. Um, yeah, it appears that yeah that the ETH merge hype is is fizzling. I don't out. even to be honest. Um, I don't even know if the ETH merge really drove any hype. I mean, it, it, the the ETH, the Ethereum price kind of just went along with the S and P and the Dow Jones. It like was pretty much mirroring it. I mean, things were going up, so ETH was going up. I don't know if the merge really did drive any um, anything significant. Uh, other than having to happening to align with the rest of the economy. Yeah, and uh, one one thing about specifically Ether is um, what I had you pull for me. Uh, the Ethereum's future curve is in backwardation until uh, what was a week ago, January uh, until January twenty three, um, and uh, the media and a lot of people are pushing um, that people and firms are just hedging their bets in case the the merge doesn't work. I think that could be part of partly true, but I think there are a lot of uh, macroeconomic headwinds that are coming um, throughout Christmas. And um, I think that's the real reason why we're seeing Ethan backwardation. I was just going to say, you know, when we're, when we're looking at crypto in general, you know, as, as you're alluding to, it really is the, the, the cheapness of money that is going to be the, the main driver in terms of the, the longer term direction and the, the size of the moves we're seeing. And, you know, as I've said on this podcast many times before, I think markets been underestimating how high the Fed's going to uh, raise rates in, in the short term and, and how sticky they may be in the long term. On the other hand, as you know, I have also had that uh, dreaded two handed economist story whereby I can see an environment where if the financial markets do start to show signs of uh, disorderly moves, then Perhaps the Fed does come in and we, we do see one more round of the old playbook. But certainly the narrative at the moment is that, uh, that 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 is now done and dusted. And if you are moving to a world of uh, much higher cost of money, it's pretty simple that uh, we are going to see things like high leverage tech stocks and, and the crypto space under some pressure here. And I think that, that that's pretty clear whether there's whatever happens with the merge, quite frankly, you know, it is that macro environment that's the, the key long-term driver at the moment. Yeah, you know, this is a question for, for you guys, but like, do you think like crypto prices, obviously they're, they're treated like a risk asset, but do we almost treat each type of coin as like an equity where there's like guidance for that coin or like, you know, general consensus on how that does? Yeah, the way I like to look at crypto is kind of like a super risky, like FX commodity type product because it it is global, so it's not it, it acts like um it acts like a, a, a risky tech stock um like it could it's very correlated correlated to the Nasdaq, but currencies are global in Russia, Ukraine, China. That's all going to affect crypto um some way. Um, if there ends up being a war in Antarctica, that's going yeah, to yeah. affect crypto. And uh, I, I, that's the way I like to look at it. Um, so I think they're going to be 
super under pressure. I, I also think it's important to look at the leading like cryptocurrency market makers and the decisions that they've they've been making. Um, so like Genesis laid off a, a ton of people, um, t- basically told their CEO to step down. The parent company is Digital Currency Group, which arguably has the most amount of data in all of crypto um, in the entire world. Like if, if you if they thought a bull market was coming within the next year, then Fair point. I don't think you would have seen that happen. Um, so I think like there's some like blatantly obvious indicators that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, aside from Genesis, you know, pretty much every other firm I think out there has had their round of layoffs in the in the crypto space. Coinbase's Galaxies, I think Galaxy, but like BlackFi, basically everybody has had rounds. So things not looking great for the sector as far as like headcount or them looking for a bear or knowing we're in a bear market. I think tech and the rest of the leaders, I guess, of, of the equities market probably lagging a bit. I think, you know, Q4, based on some of the guidance that we've gotten on earnings, the rest of the market's probably going to follow suit. Is there anything we want to talk about outside of Ethereum uh, macro going into this longer bear cycle than people are anticipating? Um, are there any projects anyone's excited about? I was about to say, uh, before moving on to the projects, that, that that question itself, although it's it's interlinked, I think raises one key point, which is that markets in general, I still think are missing the entire point of the current situation, which is that this isn't about monetary policy. This isn't about, uh, it is about economics to an extent, but really this is all about geopolitics. That is the big story here that is driving absolutely everything. And, you know, every time I'm watching uh, the financial press or what have you, or every time I'm reading reports, it seems so few people are focusing on that as being the, the real long-term driver here. And I, I really think it is. And that means that, yes, we talk about cheap money and the impact it has on assets and where we talk about inflation but to me these are all coming back to that geopolitical story so probably not for today but in, in the future i think that that's something we we really need to touch upon because that is the absolute key to everything right here and that is why the story that we're talking about about inflation being stickier for longer is likely to persist but as you said casey let, let, let's move on to some individual projects i just had to mention the geopolitical story just because i feel like we hadn't mentioned it once on this call although actually Anna did hint at it uh, he pointed out the you know the russia ukraine he pointed out china i just wanted to sort of reiterate that to my mind that is the real key point here no i think you're right before we move on i think uh, most investors look at things on uh sector by sector basis almost like how's tech doing how's crypto doing they kind of think of some of the geopolitical stuff as an aside that might, you know, swing price back and forth depending on the equity or the company or whatever, but uh, or even the sector. But in general, it's pretty effective to, to everything in, in the landscape. Yeah, I, I'll just make a, a quick comment and then uh, we could be could, could because we can do a whole podcast about this. But Zoltan came out with an, a nice piece, I think, while Claude was partying in Ibiza and uh, in his Warren industrial policy piece, he talked about um, how trust is so important in trade and war. And if trust is is broken, then the countries don't see any need for peace if they can't profit from it. And two important 
pieces to follow right now are uh, Chimerica and Eurasia and this this these two uh, partnerships are going uh, sideways basically and it's not as profitable as it used to be so it's definitely something to watch like Claude was saying the geopolitics and um, like EU paid euros for cheap Russian gas but things are changing now um, we would import all these cheap um, cheap goods from China, uh, raising real wages and stagnant, not keeping stagnant nominal wages. And that it's just something to watch. All, all good points. And again, something we could probably spend an hour kind of running in circles around. Um, you know, I was trying to move over to, to different projects we're very excited about. Why don't, why don't we actually talk or Anon, you could, you could talk about what and on labs is that's a project i'm excited about um for sure how, for sure. how, 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 how <laughs> did it start how the group chat start and then how did it evolve into a full project slash community yeah so how it started was i have to give uh credit where it's due um wizard of soho on instagram started a group chat on telegram with uh, about like 25 to 30 people in it um we actually all ended up becoming good friends with like it would, would uh, teach us a lot about crypto and um, he kind of stemmed the community that way. He had a big following through his Instagram. And then he ended up launching this coin and I became a moderator in the chat and became friends with a lot of people. And there were people from all around the world, from Serbia, uh, Russia and South America. It, it was really, really cool. And I met a lot of uh, new friends and had, had a pretty big network that way. And then the coin ended up going south and the, the community ended up breaking apart and there were a ton of people there. Timeline wise, what was this, like a year ago? The year? This was May 2021. I, I remember. May 2021. Yeah. So the, the coin launched the end of May 2021 and then during the summer, um, a lot of side chats formed because people ended up becoming new friends and I networked really, really hard during, during this this time and um, a lot of people were leaving chats and I saw a lot of people started breaking apart and they all needed one place to go. So I ended up creating a chat, adding everyone that like I talked to the most is around like, probably like 30 people I added. And the toughest part about creating a chat is like keeping the momentum going because I just added a bunch of people that don't know each other. Sure. And I tried to create like, yeah. a, a good conversation to keep them because if you if you add me to a random chat, like I'm not going to look at it. I need a reason to go back to it. I so, agree. Even even your friends' random group chats die after a year or two if you're not seeing each other on, on, on the regular. Very true, very true. And I can't remember which number I was in that chat, but I know I was early on and, and you did a fantastic job of driving that. Yeah, you were probably like top 15 or top 10. I remember I, I texted you and you're like, what is this? I'm like, I'm making my own chat. And yeah, so I tried to keep, so I noticed that within crypto, most uh, conversation wasn't productive and it was kind of just people saying stupid shit all the time. So I tried to create like a more intelligent chat to differentiate it and it, it ended up growing and a lot of people got involved and uh, mo most chats now they or communities, they, they turn them into like uh, a closed off FT and they make it some, some something like alpha chat. That's what most most people do. And uh, the founders make a lot of money that way. Um, but I don't see it as a, a sustainable model. 
because I mean, in a crypto winter, whereas alpha, like there's no NFT volume, their coins aren't doing much. It, and, you know, I mean, if you could, if you were able to trade profitably over a long period of time, uh, you shouldn't be like, you should, you should run your own fund. You shouldn't be calling yeah. out plays in Discord. Um, that's right. That's right. I mean, everyone looks smart in a bull market. So. Well, and the other thing I think is that it it's becomes very difficult to run, right? Because it's impossible to separate the shillers from from those providing alpha. You know, there's all there's always upside to, to talking about positions, even if you are are running your own fund. But it's just getting rid of those shillers, and unless you can actually do due diligence on every piece before they post about it, in which case it's no longer a group chat, right? Then it's just a, a filter essentially. So. I think it's always that impossibility of separating the shill from the actual alpha that makes those sorts of groups very difficult unless you have one or two people essentially providing it. But then, as you, as you pointed out, that comes with its own uh, moral hazard issues in, in itself. Yeah, de definitely. I agree. agree. So that's how the chat started. And then where are we at now? I think we're a little over 400. Yeah, we just hit like 410. We just cleared 400 about a week ago. So my solution to creating some type of product for the community is going to be a, re a research product where we'll, we'll write longer notes, uh, more in-depth, more institutional focused, and take a week or two to create the note and shorter notes, um, which are kind of like you know, people with smaller attention spans like myself and just more blog slash opinion piece type thing right exactly um just current news and something that you can take away from that news not just not just if you want to watch fox or cnn but it will be um news with uh opinion in there so sites officially launched correct the, you know the platform itself we're not all the way there yet but there are some pieces floating around and some contributions being made currently yeah, so anonlabs.club is the website. Um, we have a publications tab, which are right now we have some macro pieces in there about the Fed. And we're going to be adding a, a piece on fudgy penguins and analysis on uh, behind the holders and, and the collection itself, which should be really cool. Um, we've seen a lot of strength there, which kind of leads me to, uh, I mean, is there any pieces or anything that you guys would want to see in there. So one question I've got then uh, is, is how does the format work between the chat and the website? So for anyone listening, if, if they want to be receiving or, or, or reading the, the research, can they get that in the chat or do they go to the website? You know, what's the current model? How, how are you disseminating this? Yeah, so that it will be, everything will be on the website and then we'll be talking about the research within the community. So that's how that that's going to work eventually. If the chat grows like crazy during the next bull market, um, we've been exploring different opportunities, maybe to create a DAO or something very simple that can allow the community to grow so it doesn't become completely disconnected. But when that comes, when that bridge comes, we'll cross it. Yeah, currently the group's pretty open right now, but depending, I'm assuming, depending on the um, site growth and how research goes, it might be a uh, members only i mean no promises obviously from you but a few members only to, to kind of uh filter out the riffraff if that's fair to say yeah so definitely um and we've been growing pretty well during a bear market and a complete crypto winter um which has been really nice so i'm excited to see 
what happens in the next bull run. We have a lot of people that are, are ready to contribute, and it'll be a nice 12 week sprint until Christmas time for us to find our feet and figure out responsibilities for everyone. And then the, the next year, um, I think we'll really be able to hit the ground running and become a well oiled machine. Well, the other thing I think is great about that is because, you know, you're not just focused on trying to find a, a thousand X uh, shitcoin for people. You know, the fact that there's a, a bear market happening at the moment really gives more of time to to focus on what the, the long term direction of the space is. You know, you, you mentioned what sort of research will be interesting. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about Web3. And, you know, partly that's because, of course, that became such a hot topic during the bull market that every major company wanted to get involved in some way, wanted to dip their toes into NFTs. Now, of course, some very high profile examples, some very well executed, but some really poorly executed, quite frankly. And some, it just felt more like a, a FOMO move, essentially. People were just, or companies, I should say, were just worried about not having something in the space without really understanding it. So I think the, uh, you know, this gives an opportunity at the moment to, to look at what is the future for Web3, because this is something that isn't just about NFTs. It's not just about crypto. This is something that fundamentally changes the way the internet works going forward and, and how uh, loyalty programs work, how uh, collaboration works. Really, it, it could be quite fundamental from a, even from a society perspective without trying to, trying to blow it up too much. Yeah, I think one one part that I definitely want to in implement, which I should have mentioned this first, is I feel like there's a big gap between traditional finance and crypto. And uh, I think if we could bridge that gap, it would, it, crypto would make a lot more sense to everyone. Because as we were saying before, it's a global asset and you have to understand what's going on in traditional markets um, because that's what it is affecting crypto. It's not the other way around. Uh, shit coins and NFTs are a different story, but it it affects it pretty strongly so yeah exactly so we've kind of gone from the the world of uh anyone can make money you you just throw a, an arrow at a dartboard to being far more focused on what is actually happening in in traditional financial markets more what's happening as i mentioned on, on the geopolitical scale i mean as you hinted at we're we're moving away from beta back to a, a world of stock pickers for for the first time in in well over a decade so, you know, although we are, of course, in a, a downturn with uh, with crypto in, in general, uh, I think it's fair to say that this just gives us more time to, to really think about the, the, the longer term future for it and how it weaves into these markets. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think to your, to your previous point, you know, companies just trying to not be left out is kind of not ruining the space. But just making it look bad, I think, in general. I don't know. Ticketmaster is a good example of someone trying to get into the NFT space just because it makes a lot of sense. Tickets, NFTs, you know, is Ticketmaster the right company to, to be doing that? Probably not. Probably just like another fee that's going to be added to the other collectible of your item when you're buying your $30 ticket and it ends up being $130 to check out. Is that the right way for, to lead the NFT Web3 space as far as like corporations go? Probably not. And so do we see a big split here? Like, is this a, is this the moment where we see the discussion change? So that on the one hand, you have crypto, you have financial markets. That's the direction that goes in. And then Web3 takes a completely different direction. And rather than all of this crossover that's happening now with people that may know something about one side, but not the other, but they're still dipping the to toes in because it's all grouped together. 
you know, even when we were back in the NFT bull market and everyone's talking about, well, NFTs is such a, a broad concept, but is it NFT? Is it a piece of digital art? Is it a community? Is there utility? Do, do you think we see more of that divide going forward and, and the space sort of separate more? Or do you think it will sort of all intrinsically be still linked together very tightly, but there's a little bit more understanding of the different types and the different purposes? You know, it still amazes me that at this stage, cryptos all, all grouped in together when you know certain crypto coins and tokens have a completely different usage to others. They're, they're chalk and cheese. The only thing they have in common is the underlying technology. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. So I, I think it's important to understand who's going to be uh, like driving the ebbs and flows of crypto over the next 10 years. So something I'm really interested in is, uh, I have to look into it more, but Schwab and BlackRock are trying to create a retail crypto product and apparently it's gonna be out in 2023. Um, so if you have BlackRock guys, uh, controlling the market basically for a uh, retail crypto product, um, they're going to be coming from TradeFi. So I think we'll still see a lot of flows similar and market correlation to uh, traditional finance because those are the people that are going to be uh, controlling these markets. Yeah, I mean, as far as a market perspective, you know, TradeFi, uh, crypto in general, pricing of assets, that'll probably still be pretty correlated and it'll be similar Agreed. players, obviously some new players there. As far as like corporations that are hitting like the retail market, um, you know, everyday consumers, whether it's like fast food or something or, I don't know, transactions, like a, anything that's like the cons that's consumer facing. To, to your point, Paul, like, I think there is going to be a pretty big split and some people are going to get left in the dust. If you think about the internet, dot-com um, boom, a lot of companies who didn't adapt in the right way to having an online presence definitely fell, fell by the wayside. And then new players like the Googles, the Amazons uh, of the world have become the new kind of behemoths. If you look at, I'm sure there's like dozens of these graphs out, but like, the top 20 companies or the top 50 companies now versus the top 50 companies in the 90s, there's probably only a handful that are the same and they're probably like oil giants. That's probably it. Yeah. And I suppose I'm also thinking in terms of the sort of NFTs versus cryptos. Of course, there's a lot of companies that have popped up in the uh, sort of NFT DeFi space that, that intrinsically links the two. But Really, is an NFT anything to do with financial markets? Yes, we they're bought, bought and sold using crypto uh, tokens, but the bottom line is, is it actually anything to do with finance whatsoever, or is it more akin to being an investment and a, and a loyalty club in, in, in some, uh, not an investment, apologies. What I mean is more of a membership. You know, that's what I think is going to be quite interesting in terms of that intrinsic drivers behind the space. Do we see this complete separation where, you know, I'll just use NFTs as an example, but that just becomes a, a technology for memberships and, and communities and things like that. And, you know, crypto just becomes more uh, closely linked to sort of traditional financial markets as, as another asset class. Because I've just been thinking about that quite a bit recently, how NFTs emerged from the world. But do they really have anything to do with the financial world? NFTs had a lot of use cases when they, when they first came out. It just happened. It just so happened that, like, the cover stories are like the board apes and, and the crypto punks of the world because prices happened to drive up at the same time there was a, a bull market 
with, with the with the with the wider crypto market. So for for argument's sake, if, if there wasn't a bull market and NFTs became a thing, I, I can definitely see the the profile picture type NFTs never having the kind of boom they did and being it more so uh, of a membership thing where people were joining communities that didn't have to do profile pictures, but like communities where they can join based on an NFT or like have access to things in the real world, which, you know, projects are trying to do now um, to get to add to the roadmap and to like show utility. But, you know, it just it just so happened. I think it was just kind of luck with the draw that the art world and the crypto world happened to merge with NFTs at the right time in the right place. And, that, and that's kind of the cover story of what everyone is. But the, the applications for an NFT are obviously much, much wider than that. Yeah, perhaps the answer to the question is perhaps the underlying technology just comes proliferated across absolutely everything. Um, and NFTs are essentially embedded into so many walks of, of, of our daily lives. I, I personally believe that's the route we end up going. in. But as you pointed out, perhaps the, uh, the PFPs aren't going to be... Uh, I'm going to be flowing the way they used to, even if we did see another return to a full-blown bull market. You know, perhaps some of the OG uh, big-name ones, they exist because balls, it's a flex. And, uh, you know, there's a built-up community there of people that have been uh, instrumental in the development of this new technology that's now proliferated across all industries. Maybe I'm getting a little too deep. No, no, I, I agree with that. I think kind of the the kind of blue chips and the, like, the art blocks, the you know, board will will stay pretty prominent as things evolve. But like, I don't see too many new profile pictures becoming like the next thing. I think the the next evolutions are like more, you know, consumer facing, useful use cases to NFTs. So like, obviously, like metaverse gaming in general is a big market, and there's a lot of companies who are getting funding right now, even in the bear market. That'll probably be the next evolution because like, if if you think about it. A lot of these video games have like rare weapons or you know attributes. Making an NFT for that makes a lot of sense, and like people are spending money on that already, pre NFT, pre crypto. So that's just like one real world application that that'll evolve and probably be the next bull run of things. I'm sure there'll be others that I'm, we're not mentioning or thinking of right now, but I think we'll steer away from the traditional like profile picture or collection of just JPEGs uh, and more towards stuff with some sort of intrinsic value, whether it's a video game or something else. So I don't know, are there any, uh, are there any projects or any uh, concepts for, for the NFT world that, that you're looking out for going forward, that you're interested in going forward, any use applications or as a specific projects? Yeah, I, I've been eyeing squiggles the past couple of weeks. I'm waiting for ETH to go under under 1100 or a thousand i think that the market like realized 99 percent of these nfts don't need to be an nft and if you really go back to the foundation of what an nft is it's proof on chain that you own something and that's kind of like your digital your digital brand and i think squiggles is a perfect example of that it's it's uh very friendly looking you know there's no utility out of it it's a pure art piece um i think art is a perfect especially digital art it is it fits like a glove in that nft space um and that, yeah that's what i've had my eye on if you di dive deeper into squiggles there are a 
like most of them are owned by early CryptoPunk holders. I think the Squiggles DAO owns 30% or Flamingo DAO owns 30% of them. Um, the, it, it goes, the design of the Squiggle goes much deeper if you really look into it. Um, like you can, like you can, for example, go on OpenSea, you click on it um, and then click on the Squiggle on the picture and you could see like the colors movement is different in every single squiggle because they were uh, created by code and you could change the background on it if you really wanted to like the, and the people that own them it like truly believe it's an art piece and i think it can have a really big run up next bull run i think because they're pretty cheap right now they're like around fifteen thousand usd but i i think they could go a heck of a lot higher than that i love that answer <laughs> I love that answer. The, the old school, original idea behind NFTs is still one that's going to be persistent going forward, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah, I, I do like I do like that call. I mean, you almost think of squiggles like I don't know, it's like a, a Damien Hirst kind of, or like some sort of conceptual but generative artwork. Um, it does have some value in interpretation of the actual art versus I don't know, board apes, it's just monkeys with different attributes. This is code creating different, you know, moving and interesting attributes, not just like memeable kind of pictures. People love to park their money in art, and I think it makes sense for them to do it on chain. It's a lot easier. Um, I, people know this, but like if you go to a regular art show and you buy a piece on auction, then or you buy it online on an auction, then the piece has to go to the the person that's selling it they have to verify it they have to package it up they have to verify it again and then they have to ship it to you like it's a whole process but like online it makes it so much easier um yeah i'm, I'm bullish on i think you keep things simple it has a similar design similar to doodles it's very friendly to everyone it's uh squiggles is the first um generative art on art blocks from snowfro and you can't beat first uh, like CryptoPunks, you can't be first. So yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I guess pivoting off a project you like, and then uh, one of our regularly um, scheduled segments, best trade, worst trade. Do you mind sharing, you know, your best slash worst trade stories? It can be, it doesn't have to be crypto or NFTs. It could be stocks. It could be real estate, but you know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they're both crypto. <laughs> um I'll start out with the worst. Um, back in May of, I guess last year, it feels like so long ago. But ETC was ripping at one point, and I threw a ton of money into it at like it hit one fifty or something. It was stupid. It's never going that high again in our lifetime. And I watched it go like all the way down, and yeah, that was definitely my worst trade. Um, I think my best trade was is probably GM. Like if you go off a rate of uh, return and um, a period of time, that nice, that, nice. that whole era was insane. Yeah, that was a wild run for a lot of people who actually caught it early. I, I think I got it like kind of early. I probably got like a three or four X, uh, which is, you know, you can't complain off that, but some people were getting like 50 hundreds. I thought you were actually going to say maybe like Clonex or something is like a good flip um, 
for you. Yeah, that's up there for sure. But uh, GM, like from a return standpoint, I think. Yeah, yeah. That was nuts. 100%. We saw that go in the chat at uh, 20,000 uh, market cap. And then we watched it go all the way up to like 2 billion. Like that was just nuts. I don't think that's a, I don't think those runs are going to happen anytime soon or probably ever again. All the people that made those runs are uh, in jail now or getting audited. By, uh, IRS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the extra IRS employees are going to have a lot to do over the next uh, few years. Um, you know, outside of um, Anon and crypto and you know your your regular work in, in uh, TradFi, what are what are your hobbies? I, I know you're like a big fishing guy. Yeah. Uh, love love fishing. I love going offshore. I um, uh, I like hunting too. Uh, I like just being in nature kind of separates yourself. But my favorite is uh to go offshore fishing. You have no cell phone service to communicate people with people over the radio. Um, it kind of completely separates you, and the the stuff you see out there is pretty, pretty um, pretty so like- awesome. What what actually goes into fishing, uh, like offshore? Like obviously in your boat. Like what's the, how many people do you need in a crew? What do you tip? How long is the day out? And what are you what are you kind of trying to catch? And like what's the what's the whole plan there? I I, I like going tuna fishing the best because um, usually you have to go out farther and so like a day tuna fishing like in the canyon you'll go you'll leave at like uh, one a.m. and you'll get to the fishing grounds around. It depends on the boat you have, but if you go in like thirty knots, you'll get there around uh, like five a.m., like just in time for first light, and you'll have the lines in the water. And for two what's a, what's, you... How fast is thirty? What's what's not two miles per an hour? Like one to one? Uh, it's like no, it's like knots are like one point three um, to one mile an hour, something like that, or like one point four. Knots definitely feel a lot faster than just uh, <laughs> just that ratio, though. That's for sure. Yeah. One thing I've got to ask then, you've told us your best trade. What's the the best catch? Um, a big, big elephant tuna. That was definitely the best. Uh, like two years Amazing. ago, probably like uh, almost 200 pounds. Oh, very good sushi. I don't think I've ever gone like, I've never gone offshore fishing. I've done like in a boat, like, or just, you know, shore casting. Like, what's the, what's the process here? You, you kind of just like, Park um, up, well, if you go tuna fishing, you, you'll be trolling. So you'll be moving around like seven, seven, eight miles an hour, and you have the lines in the water, and you're just watching the lines. You 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 uh, put all the lines behind you, like a hundred yards behind the boat, and you just drag them. Um, and then you'll just wait for a reel to go off, and then you'll start reeling in your, your tuna. But tuna travel in, in packs usually, so one rod goes off, you'll have another one go off, and then. You, there's just stuff you see out there is like insane. You'll see like thousands of dolphins are migrating, or you'll see thousands of rays migrating. Uh, you see sea turtles, like the biggest whales you've ever seen. Like if you go out far enough to the canyon, it's like, I'll admit that that it, sounds it, terrifying. It, that sounds so fucking cool. terrifying. <laughs> like if you go to the canyon, sounds like, like an episode of Wicked Tuna. It's exactly what it is, pretty much. But uh, a little less, like oh. Depends on the boat you use, like uh, Casey, the boat your friend showed me, like your friend has, is uh, very, very comfortable. Like you, the boat won't rock. They have like a sea keeper in it, which is basically a gyro 
under the deck in the center of the boat and it it only allows the boat to tilt uh, a maximum of two degrees on either side so it doesn't rock it just moves up and down with the waves which is pretty awesome and pretty expensive to have um so if you get seasick it's good to have but like you go out that far you could see down like 500 feet so you see like humongous whales just going under you it's, it's a completely different world Oh, like the ocean's that clear when you're that yeah, far out. It, it's and it's so clean, and it, it's also warmer if you're by the Gulf Stream. It stays around seventy degrees all year long. Yeah, that sounds fucking terrifying. The the ocean terrifies me that deep. I, I'm I'm good with saying like three three feet offshore or something, uh, and catching like I don't know red snappers. It's a different feeling when uh, you know if um, you're out that far and no one can come save you or come reach you. <laughs> Have you ever had any like close calls or, uh, you know, mild panics? Oh uh, yeah. Um, offshore this April we were like, we just got to the Canyon. So we we're like four hours in and then all of a sudden just the engine turned off <laughs> like while we were driving and we were all like, what the fuck? Like uh, we, a couple of us were sleeping. We woke up and then we we're like, what the fuck it just happened? And then we just restarted the boat and it was okay. But um, yeah, I've heard plenty of uh, plenty of tales of people getting rescued. You always have to be prepared. Uh, and you never go by yourself. Um, we we, can't, we go with inreaches, which uh, Garmin makes. And if something, God forbid, were to happen, you can text someone or call. You, you can text someone. Um, it'll, it'll send your longitude and latitude um exact location so you can keep in touch and and tell the coast guard where you are nice like a like a high high tech 911 apple apple tag yeah yeah literally military grade but you got to pay a subscription for it every month so you're basically you you do some whale watching uh, when you're fishing and whale watching when you're you're in the markets exactly uh, exactly love it love it god hobbies always align that way um <laughs> What are, what's uh what's what's everyone uh, up to for this Labor Day weekend? I think I'll have to edit this over the next two or three days once work slows down. So it'll be a nice Labor Day listen for folks. But what's everyone up to? I am going to Cape Cod, driving up on Friday, leaving from New York, um, and then I'll be there um, until Monday. Monday night I'll come home. Um, so it should be nice uh, change of scenery, hit the beach a little bit. Do some whale watching, yeah. Yeah, some whale watching too. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Just um, taking it easy? Yep, yep. I'm going to be over in Europe uh, until early next week. So uh, left Ibiza, but uh, remaining on the continent. So uh, no big plans, just uh, keeping things easy, catching up with a few people. Uh, a quiet one after the uh, the craziness of Ibiza. Um, yeah, I'll be heading out east uh, to the usual around Montauk. Um, I was thinking about maybe checking, doing some offshore with my friend. I, I haven't, I haven't done that. But after hearing your stories uh, of what that entails, <laughs> I might skip out on that. Honestly, you know, fun fact: I can't, I can't swim, so I'd be a life jacket the whole time, oh. which worries me even more. Uh, you can't swim, huh? No, I can float, oh. uh, especially with a life jacket. Obviously, you don't hear that often, honestly. Have you ever gotten overboard or like uh, no. fallen overboard? Nope. Have you purposely gone overboard? Uh, nope. Nope. I won't go in the water. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That, that I mean, do people do that? Is that a thing? 
Uh, if you catch something and some people jump in the water, get like cool videos, but I'm is an angry shark hooked. I'm not jumping in the water in the way. Yeah, that um, that all checks out. But if you're on a bigger boat, the risk of you going overboard is very low because you have a galley in there and you go inside and it's very big, a very big deck in the back. But just um, saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still not still not so wide. <laughs> Cool. Um, you know, I, I think while in there, that was, that was a good chat. Um, always happy to have two people talk about who are very into some macro and uh, geopolitical things. Talk about the markets. Uh, yeah, let's dive deeper into that uh, on, on another uh, another podcast. Yeah, we, we can have a geopolitical special. I'll invite like uh, I don't know, Wolf Blitzer or something on there. We'll have a great one, everyone. Bye bye. You too, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys.